You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Signs of Jesus' second coming. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by ChristadelphianVideo.org. The troubles facing the world today mean that the world is in a terrible situation. And many of the problems seem insoluble, but God has the answer. The Bible teaches that Jesus will return to the earth to provide the solution to all the world's problems. Would you like to share in a hope of all suffering coming to an end? The Bible shows that this will happen when Jesus returns and also describes signs that will be seen when his return is closer. The world events that provide these signs that are described can be seen happening right before our eyes today and can provide us with absolute confidence that Jesus will return and that he will return soon. On the 24th of February, the world woke up to the shocking news that Russia had invaded Ukraine. It's become increasingly evident as the war has progressed that Putin was, perhaps still is, determined to conquer Ukraine, whatever the human and economic cost. And it has been a terrible economic cost. Russia has displayed its true colors and shown that it is prepared to use brutal, overwhelming force to achieve its objectives. Is this a sign of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is near? Well, we would suggest that it is part of a prophetic jigsaw which gives us an overall picture of what to expect in terms of world events before and during the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't have all the details necessarily, but every so often we see things happening in the world and we think that's another piece of the jigsaw that's slotted into place. But world leaders are asking the question, where next? Where will Putin stop? his aggressive expansion and given the unpredictability of President Putin he's got everybody guessing Bible prophecy however is clear at some point and we can't say exactly when but at some point Russia will accompanied by many other nations it will invade the Middle East but will meet with divine destruction upon the mountains of Israel. Now, world attention, understandably, has been focused on Ukraine and Russia's activities there. But Putin has been steadily building up military personnel and equipment in Syria, right on the very northern border of Israel. He's also assembled a large naval force in the eastern Mediterranean, as well as in the Black Sea, 
which has been directed at the moment at Ukraine, but there's a large naval force in the Eastern Mediterranean off the coast of Syria and Israel and Egypt. Another part of the prophetic jigsaw is being prepared. Concurrent with this invasion of the Middle East that's described in Bible prophecy <clears throat> is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to set up the kingdom of God. And this invasion of the Middle East may not be an immediate sequel to the war in Ukraine, whenever or however that may end. It may be some years ahead. It may be soon. But we can be sure from Bible prophecy, it will happen. We're not given an exact time and date. We're not meant to know the day or the hour. But we do have the signs of the times. The important point we'd like to stress is when it happens, Christ will already have returned to this earth. So we need to be prepared now for that eventuality, for that certainty. For Ezekiel chapter 38, the passages will come up on the screen. They'll be in Farsi, actually, but these are fairly well-known passages to, to many of us, I'm sure. And we won't look at it all. We don't have time. But in Ezekiel 38, we have a description of a major invasion of the Middle East focused on Israel. And this invasion is carried out by a confederacy of nations led by a power named Gog, the ruler or prince over territory whose ancient names mentioned by Ezekiel are identified by historians as modern Russia. Now that's verses one and two of Ezekiel 38 coming up on the screen in Farsi. In the English, we see that in verse two, God is saying through his prophet Ezekiel, son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince or prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And those are names which historians uh, would recognize as describing Russia. That's a very ancient map. It goes back uh, possibly to 500 years before Christ, compiled by a, a historian then called Herodotus. And you can see, although it's rather a distorted view, it's not bad considering they didn't have satellite imagery and all the rest of it. But the, what, what can be gained from that, if we assume it's really relatively accurate, is you can see the names of Magog, Tubal, certainly in the area of Russia. And some of those other names that come later in Ezekiel, we might recognize in modern terms, Persia or Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, verse 5, verse 6, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togama. And when historians have, have put that on a more modern map, we can see that significantly Gog is associated with the land of Magog. <clears throat> and that's situated, you can see there between those two major rivers, the river Don to the east and the river Danube to the west. And there in that, the middle of that area is Ukraine. Well, this invasion of the Middle East will culminate in the Battle of Armageddon, which we read about in Revelation 16, in the land of Israel. But this isn't the end of the world, 
in nuclear conflagration as some would fear, but actually the beginning of a new and better era for this world. Ezekiel 38 uh, and verse 21 to 23 goes on to describe how God's, God will destroy those invading armies and the world will begin to realize that there is a God whose purpose with this earth will be accomplished. Verse 23, the end of that chapter 38, after this description of the destruction that God will pour out under the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ and the saints on this invading army, God says, verse 23, I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, it is the time when Jesus Christ shall return to this earth to set up the kingdom of God, to rule with justice and authority, to, to bring to pass the words of Isaiah chapter 2 and its verses 4, which read that they will beat their swords into plowshares. So the, the weapons of modern warfare, the tanks and artillery and the so, on, so forth, will be no more, but rather peaceful pieces of machinery for agriculture. Does anyone know where that statue is, by the way? It's a man beating a sword into a plowshare. It's outside the United Nations, uh, which also has that figure of the gun, which can't fire anymore. Uh, very appropriate. And there on a wall near the United Nations is that quote from Isaiah chapter 2. And, and there it is in Farsi. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation anymore. Neither will they learn war anymore. That's the benefit of Christ's return. So moving on <coughs> to Zechariah chapter 14, we have another part of the prophetic jigsaw described for us. It's Revelation chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. Read. <clears throat> the day of the Lord cometh. Thy spoil will be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem. To battle is going to be the focus, city of Jerusalem. And the city shall be taken. And the houses rifled. The women ravished. And half the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. It's a siege of Jerusalem. And all those horrors that we see or hear about happening in Ukraine cities at this very moment will be repeated in the land of Israel. The invasion will reach the point when it seems that the Israelis will be annihilated. But at this crucial point, there is divine intervention in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and his saints to save them. Verses three and four. Then shall the Lord go forth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and towards the west. Half the mountain shall move towards the north and half towards the south. Major topographical changes will be carried out in that part of the world. Major earthquake, as well as all of this 
trouble with the battle as well. And then key point in verse five, to the end of that verse, the Lord my God shall come in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints with him. So the Lord has returned before this point in time. He's carried out the resurrection of the dead, judged people, and there will be those that have been counted faithful who are called the saints who will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not that we wait for these things to happen and see them on the television screen or, or hear about them. It could happen any time that the Lord will come. He's coming. And the happy outcome for Israel then and the whole world is the establishment of the kingdom of God ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. Now we turn from considering Israel and the international scene to Paul's words when he writes to the Thessalonians, an ecclesia, body of believers in northern Greece, as we'd know it now. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we want to take a very personal message of exhortation, warning from his words. You see in First Thessalonians 5 verse 3, there's a general feeling of peace and safety. Surely most sensible people would want that in the world. Peace, safety, security. Not the kind of life that Ukrainians are living at the moment in war-torn Ukraine. But this is only an illusion of peace and safety. Not necessarily reflecting an actual or real situation. A state of mind, maybe. An attitude of confidence perhaps even complacency, that life is good, comfortable, things have settled down. It could happen. Things in Ukraine could, could work out somehow or other, and peace in terms of absence of war achieved. And life goes back to normal, peace and safety. We feel good. But note what it says in verse 3, when they say peace and safety, then... Sudden destruction comes upon them as travail with a, as with a woman with child. And mothers would well know that once the labor pains start, they don't stop fully. They might stop for a while, but then they'll come again. And then increasing until it happens, the birth will come. And they'll not escape. But who are the they referred to when they say, Peace and safety, sudden destruction. You might notice there's a marked contrast between the they or them in this passage and the you or yourselves. So diff two different classes of people. Verse four, you brothers are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. So is it a contrast between believers and people in the world? Well, it's true enough that the majority of the world's population are not expecting, not even aware of 
Jesus coming back to this earth. Plenty of people don't even believe that there will ever be such an event. But Paul here is not contrasting believers in the ecclesial world with non-believers in the world in general. He's concerned with the believers in Christ. And warning, exhorting every believer, every one of us, not to slip into a complacent attitude of mind or way of life. Peace safety security everything's fine so that day takes us unawares so he says in verse one the times and seasons sometimes we refer to those as signs of the times you, you've got no need that i write to you says paul he's covered that topic with the thessalonians when he was with them but he goes on to say with a touch of irony in verse two you yourselves know perfectly, and the word means accurately or exactly. So he's saying, you know accurately, exactly, that you won't know accurately or exactly the day or the hour when the Lord comes. It will be like a thief in the night. <coughs> Sudden, unexpected, even for believers. And the context, the way that the, the passage flows is from chapter 4, which describes the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sound of a great trumpet, he'll raise the dead. It's the day of the Lord, his return. And that's what Paul goes on to talk about in chapter 5 here. It's as imminent as the day of one's death for all believers in any phase of history. As imminent as it will be for those who are alive and remain when he does appear. And in every place where that figure of speech as a thief is used in relation to the Lord's return. He's not coming as a criminal, but he's coming like a thief. Suddenly, unexpectedly. And every time that's used, it's accompanied by an exhortation to believers to, to watch. We have the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. I'm not sure if I got that on the screen. No. And there in Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44, Jesus says a surprising thing. He says, be ready for my return. Be watchful, be vigilant, be alert, awake. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Or more literally, in an hour when you're not thinking. And we might be inclined to think that surely, of all people, we should be ready, eagerly awaiting the rapidly or watching the signs of the times. <clears throat> but the implication of Jesus' words is he'll come in a time we're not expecting. Do you recall the sense of? expectation when the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted the world about two years ago. Perhaps we all felt at that time that this was the beginning of the end. The Lord's return must be imminent. He's at the door, surely. But time has gone on. The world is attempting to get back to normal. And the Lord has not come. 
peace, security. The danger is we can relax our vigilance. The time is not yet, we might think. We can lose our focus on the important spiritual things. The potential is there. If our minds are taken over by the cares and the pleasures of this life, that day may come upon us unawares, suddenly, when we're not expecting it. And then be too late to do the things we should be doing. Sudden destruction. What's the antidote? Let's look at the positive. Well, both Jesus and Paul emphasize the need to watch. Watch the signs of the times, yes. They can encourage us and alert us. But watch ourselves as well, most importantly. So in verse 6, let us not sleep as do others. And he's talking figuratively here. Spiritually, don't go to sleep. Those that sleep, sleep in the night. Those that are drunken, are drunken in the night. Drunken with false doctrine, wrong practice. What can we do about it? Well, <clears throat> we have armor, body armor, to protect ourselves. Verse 8, <clears throat> putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love, those three. That's our armor. And we have the motivation of what's already been done for us by our God and his son, Jesus Christ, to bring us the hope of salvation. Verse 9, God has not appointed us to wrath, to destruction, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, and now he is talking literally, whether we're alive at his coming or dead in the earth, he's going to resurrect us. And then we can live for it together with him forever. And perhaps more than ever before in these last days or maybe hours, we don't know how long we've got. We need each other to support, to enthuse, to encourage, to hold fast to sound doctrine and right practice and to exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching so verse 11 wherefore comfort yourselves together and build each other up even as you are doing Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. 
Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.